Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. First, last, and only. Written by Xeroses. We were the first. In a hundred and fifty years of listening to the stars, we heard nothing. We were the first. The adventurers within us had dreamed of entering a galaxy brimming with life, excited to tell new stories and explore a flourishing galaxy. The pragmatists in us knew that it would be better if we'd never met another life form out there. The pragmatists were right. We never found anyone. We established permanent colonies in other planets of our home system, but never found anyone else. This didn't surprise us, of course. We had listened to the stars for decades and heard nothing. We knew that there were no Martians, and we had accepted it. Maybe there were others, perhaps even in the closest of stars. The pragmatists were right again. A hundred stars, a thousand stars. Nothing, no one other voice calling out, I'm here. Not one ruin of an ancient race, not one budding prokaryote in some distant battle. We considered maybe there were others out there beyond the stars, so we built ships that could cross millions of light years in a moment. We explored stars from our own, across our own galaxy. We found nothing, ever nothing. Thousands of years searching produces nothing. But rocks, some dry, some wet, some are balls of acidic magma or lonely chunks of ice. But not one is home to any but us. A million balls of gas, a hundred thousand deserts, ten thousand temperate rocks, a thousand seas, a hundred breathable atmosphere. Not one unfamiliar person. We stretched further. Perhaps others are in other galaxies, and so we searched, and when sent new ships to far galaxies to search for anyone else. We found a breakthrough, a single wet rock in a world with fossils and a single-celled life. It had died out with the last thousand years. Were we not alone? No, we found a lost probe of our own design below the surface. These fossils were our own. We... We were still the first. The thousands and thousands of years of searching and not one life form good and traced home. Were we truly alone? Was there really nothing else but our own people and dust? Were we really the first? It had been far too long. Our little home was getting cold. Our star tapped out of its Dyson structure and began to die. With its death, our home would die as well. But as it faded, a glimmer of hope, within the fiery core we found a strange object, a perfectly smooth lump of metal the size of a moon that we couldn't identify. Too uniform to be natural, but nothing that we could have created. We were not alone. 
We took a closer look. We found the sphere was producing a power which supplied the sun. It was like nothing we'd ever seen, and it most certainly was not natural. No tool of ours can leave a scratch. Even a scan can penetrate it. It is a mystery to us, but there is one thing that we can observe. The one single imperfection on its surface was an imprint. The imprint is that of a human hand, fingers sprayed out as clearly and definable. A mark made by a human. We were the first. End of story. Story number two. Humans are weird, questionable substances. The time has come, Fifth Sister said in a flat tone. The time had come to do what now? Skritix asked her after the traditional six seconds of silence. The towering shot-off flicked her antenna and neckville in a sort of joint show of irritation and smugness. Central University has requested a justification for the orders that you've been labeling human nutrition supplements, she informed him. Skritix felt the old eight of his appendages tighten under him as a full implication of her words sunk in. Thankfully, she gave him plenty of time to mull over the response. They had been debating the wisdom of his actions. Central Cluster, they had been debating the morality of his actions for local months. There was no doubt it got results. No other work crew in the sector had anything near the level of efficiency. The humans were careful too. They never overindulged to the detriment of their bodies or minds. At least not on the base medic could detect. That was the only thing that had kept but sister from plucking him out about this. Still, the fact that they had increased their participant to the extent that it did seem to indicate... I do not wish to be rude, but sister finally said, waving the data pad in her hand. Of course, of course, Skritik said, uncurling his motile legs and turning off his computer. Shall I carry you to the conference room? But sister asked. I think I need a walk, Skritik said. I can make good time with the catwalks. But sister flicked her antenna in acknowledgement and left the room. Skritix took a moment to groom his eye hairs and steady himself and set out to purposeful skitter towards the conference rooms. He found the inter-university comm hub waiting for him, humming with power it took to maintain instant communication across interstellar spaces. He idly, fun fondly, remembered a time where this sort of thing was handled by recording and couriers. Life was so much easier when you really had time to think about your responses. He stepped up to the station and tapped the screen to list himself as present. The hollow display grew graceful to life, showing the undulate who were the current head of the University Ethics Board. Tusk acquaintance trickets. The undulate greeted him formally. I am called Plodslong. Skritix felt an odd wash of conflicting emotions as he took a full six seconds to process that. The fact that Plods Along had a human-granted name, and that couldn't be anything else, was a good omen. It meant that he dealt with humans on that particular brand of madness before. However, the implications about his methods were not promising. Greetings, Skritix replied. Am I to assume I am under investigation? Waves, no. Plods along said, it is as far too early for a formal investigation. Skritix felt oddly uneasy about that. No, Plods along said slowly, 
I simply want to understand the situation. You sound. Over the past several months, you have ordered several crates of Class 7 processed biochemicals under the guise of human nutritional supplements. Is that true? Skritix watched the undulate wave his reading appendages over what must have been a data pad just out of sight and fought the urge to squirm like a hatchling. It is true that I offer the items to the humans as a nutrient supplement, he agreed. They choose to eat them at their own discretion in addition to the usual nutrient intake. The undulate raised several appendages as if it were examining the Skritix more closely over the link as he responded to the situation. Are the humans unable to order the items on their own? It asked. Nothing prevents them from doing so, Skritix was able to answer quickly. After all, he had pondered that very question nearly every time one of the humans had come to his canister with eager hand extended and bright biofocal eyes focused on the item in question, with a predatory look that was so terrifying. Why? Pudzalong asked carefully, do you think it appropriate for you to distribute these supplements? You are not rated as a renutritionist. I am not, Skritix replied, but while it is a class 7 substance, it is also conditionally listed as a human exempt. The reasons are beyond me, but the humans on the base assure me that it is harmless in doses that I administer it. That is in question in the Xeno Medical Labs as we speak, Pudzalong said. However, that is not the answer to my question. Why? Why do you feel the need to administer the substance at all? Skritik shifted his paws uneasily on the floor before he braced himself and answered. Workplace efficiency, he said quietly. How exactly does this substance improve workplace efficiency? The Angelate asked. Well, you see, Skritik said slowly, you know that I have a very tight schedule. The gravitational phenomena I measure happen in very little warning, and each set of little time in between them, and the different pulses require a complete physical repositioning of the senses. The senses are large and heavy, and only the humans can really move them effectively. That is the justification you used for requisitioning such a large crew of technicians, Rodzalong said. Well... They were, Skritix waved his gripping pads at the undulate intensifier, being very inefficient. To the point that you were failing to get readings, the undulate sent a wave of understanding down his length. Yes, Skritix replied. They were showing up and doing the work, but it was as if each had calculated the bare minimum amount of effort necessary to retain their position and was only performing that. And I sound that you addressed the issue on several occasions. The undulate had reading appendages over the datapad as he presumably examined the records of those encounters. Yes, Strickus couldn't help but skittering sideways in irritation. Each time I had the same result, the humans would acknowledge their fault, apologize, and the next work session would show off a brief period of improvement before they would slump back into the previous level of inaction. He paused, and the hollow of the undulate only lifted an appendage for him expectantly. So I asked the crew lead what I should do, Skritix said. She explained to me that they all were under the effect of something deneuritis. 
It is complicated, but the basic concept is that the majority of them have only a few months of service left on their contracts before they return home colonies. The link between the effort that they put in and their work and any reward that they will get out is essentially severed, so they have no immediate motivation to exert more than the required effort. And the entire crew suffers from this senioritis? The undulate asked. Not directly, Skridik said, but the attitude of the majority affects the less experienced humans. Have you thought about exchanging the crew for humans with more time on their contracts? Plods along asked. None of them have the experience the activity requires, critics said. The undulate hummed thoughtfully for a few moments. As fascinating as this all is, plods along said slowly, it still does not explain the substance. The crew lead shared a human method of coping with this, critics said. She said that if I was proactive, I could combat the senioritis by applying a small rewards for discrete acts of efficiency and displays of productive problem-solving. She suggested that this substance has one of the most likely to be universally accepted to the human's digestive systems and universally palatable to human taste. I have found her assessment to be accurate. So every time a human performs their duties above a mediocre level, you would reward them with one unit of the substance, plods along asked, and it has improved efficiency. We now have surplus of data, Skritics confirmed. If this continues at the current rate, we will be finished ahead of schedule. They both fell silent and pondered the situation. It wasn't if Skritics didn't understand the undulate's concerns. He worried over the ethics of the situation constantly. But the humans were happy. They responded well to the stimulus, and they wouldn't produce and sell something inherently harmful, would they? As the product is not yet illicit, I cannot take any action on the matter. Plods along, finally said. However, I expect you to monitor the health of your crew closely. Skritik stanced sideways and relived the acknowledgement. The conversation closed and he headed for the large space that they had chosen to set up the sensor equipment. He stopped by his quarters to pick up the grav cart that he used to transport the substance. He paused to brush his paws over his head, hairs in exasperation as he examined the brightly colored canister of substance that it was dispensed from. How could such a simple thing cause so much stress? He patted the side of the cart lightly to activate it, and it hummed to life and hovered a paw's breadth over the floor. The lettering on the side of the canister gleamed in the bright lights of the hallway. Old-fashioned hard candy made from only the finest organic sugar. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.